Freethinkers, and welcome back to another episode of the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me today is the Free Thought Project editor-in-chief, Matt Agarist. So our guest this week is James Freeman. James is a well-known police accountability activist, First Amendment auditor, and voluntarist who's made a name for himself behind the camera with some insanely viral videos highlighting incompetent cops who should have never been given a badge in the first place as well as exposing their profound lack of understanding about the Constitution and the laws they were sworn to uphold. James has recently turned his camera and his sights on his local city council who have been bullying residents and engaging in some questionable arrests and detainments of local citizens. James isn't one to shy away from controversy, nor is he one to back down from false claims of authority. I, for one, very much appreciate James's work and the fact that people like him are out there pushing back and keeping these public servants in check because anyone paying attention knows more change has come from a camera and viral videos than years of incremental reform legislation. What's up, James? Thanks for spending some time with us today. So... You've really made a name for yourself over the past several years as a police accountability activist and First Amendment auditor. Your videos have millions of views. Your YouTube channel is massive with a total of 404,000 subscribers. I know you have multiple YouTube channels as well. You've had a number of confrontations with bootlickers as well, which you've also filmed and posted. I'm excited to hear about some of the current topics on your radar and uh, some of the work you're currently focused on. Maybe we can examine a couple of your viral videos as well. But I was hoping, as we do with most of our guests, you can maybe explain what got you into the world of police accountability and why did you start engaging in First Amendment audits? Awesome question. It was, it was kind of a number of things that got me into the world of police accountability. I can't say that it was one specific thing, but there were a couple of, <clears throat> of events that stand out more than others. Um, I used to be a bootlicker myself, not too extreme, but at least, you know, to some extent, you know, actually believing police keep us safe. That's who you can call when you need help. Um, I lived in a uh, in a house where um, we were kind of the haves within a neighborhood of have nots. We were in a five bedroom house right next to an apartment complex on one side and section eight duplexes on the other side. And we got robbed all the time. Um one day I called the police uh, be preemptively as a couple of teenagers were headed back to my garage on my property. And uh, the police showed up and held me at gunpoint, brought me down to my knees. That was the first time uh, on American soil where I stood down the, or stared down the barrel of a gun. I mean, I was looking right down his barrel thinking, holy crap, this, I mean, how, how did I get here? Um, I was genuinely scared. Uh, and... Um, they handcuffed me and then eventually figured out, oh, you live here. This is your house. And, 
And at first I was kind of of the attitude, well, they're just doing their job. You know, how are they supposed to know that I'm the homeowner? Um, And over the next like couple of weeks, I started realizing that that was really bad. I could have got myself killed by calling for help and, and started thinking. And that was completely my fault. It's my responsibility to take care of and defend my own life, liberty and property. And the fact that I called someone else to do it, what do I expect? Um, but uh, another major thing that, that got me into it was that I was continually driving between Texas and Arizona on I-10. And they've got that inland border patrol checkpoint on I-10 that I always had to go through. And that pissed me off. Um, one time I decided to just record it and just sit there and shame the guy for 10 or 15 minutes about what he was doing. I uploaded that video for four or five friends to see. That was it. And uh, YouTube was the best platform, it seemed like, to um, to put videos like that on. You can't send it through text message or email. The files are just too big. And so I uploaded it to YouTube. And uh, within a week or two, it had 500,000 views. I had only uploaded it to show it to a few friends. Um, <laughs> there were people in the First Amendment auditing community that had shared it. And that was what got it the boost that it did. At the time, I'd never even heard of First Amendment auditing. And they said, hey, man, you should you should do this. I was like, ah, I don't know, man. Go out and actually look for tyrants. Like, that sounds dangerous, <laughs> man. <laughs> but uh, I gave it a shot when it went and sought out a couple of tyrants. I was like, hey, I kind of like this. I'm <laughs> What year was that when you when you went to the border patrol? I'm I'm thinking it was roughly five years ago, maybe 2017. I think that sounds about right. Yeah, that's kind of around the same time I started seeing your name, and um, you know, about a year or two after that, I mean, you're all over the place. Your videos were viral, uh, not only on YouTube but on Instagram and and Facebook as well. And I think it wasn't just you know your posting. I, I think it was other people re-uploading and posting your content. So um, that's when you know you you're really doing you know you're <laughs> you're on the right track when people are actually promoting your content for you. But uh, you know that, that's awesome to hear that you had that realization because I don't think a lot of people do, especially when they're in that situation if they do have an encounter or confrontation with police it, it's very rare that they they make that connection like wow like these people actually don't work for me i'm actually my own first responder i'm actually in charge of my own health my own safety my own protection and yeah i think there there must be more to the equation because it sounds like you did have some status roots but there had to be something in the back of your head that was saying like okay this isn't right this doesn't sit right with me i i'm in charge of my own destiny i'm in charge of my own self defense you know took it upon yourself to rectify the situation so good on you for that and uh yeah the first Am amendment videos man like it's obviously turned into a whole phenomenon now there's a huge community but for a few years there there was a huge groundswell and i could see how it'd be very addictive to see some of those numbers as far as the views the likes the comments and yeah feel like you're on the right path like you're doing something that people find value in. And so, you know, you continue to try to, you know, do that type of work and you've certainly been successful at it, man. You know, I, I want to get into even some of the the videos that we've remade of yours too. And I actually kind of want to walk through one of them because uh, I think it's your most viral video. That one was hilarious, but is it true that you once did an audit of uh U.S. inland border crossing in a costume dressed like a suicide bomber? <laughs> I mean, I was in a 
I was in somewhat of a, a Arab costume, just a really cheap uh, Party City <laughs> Halloween Arab costume. Yeah, okay. right. Good. <laughs> that uh, that actually caught a lot more hate than any of my videos. So I remember seeing that our, our uh, writer John Vibe shared that in our stories group when that happened, and he's like, "Holy shit, man! <laughs> this guy's gonna get shot!" Like <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my god, that was crazy!" Yeah hilarious oh it was man you should have had like a little alarm clock or something like going off you know right as you're going through <laughs> really trolling you know, to the next us, level they waved us right through on that one if i remember correctly too like when i went through looking like this they hey are you a u.s citizen i went through like that and I, if i remember correctly they, all right go ahead keep going keep going <laughs> right right yeah so i mean you've been at this for at least five years now how many times have you been arrested now? And I guess the, the follow-up to that would be like, how many times have the charges also been dismissed? Um, okay. Number of times arrested. I'm going to have to count this. I didn't, I don't know it off the top of my head. Um, let's see. There was once in Fort Huachuca. That was the first time I was arrested while doing this, at least while doing this, I've been arrested before when I was younger, it was petty stuff like driving on a suspended license. Um, but, uh, once in Fort Huachuca, um, what was the next one? The next one was Leon Valley, where they actually arrested me twice in one week. Um, and uh, the next one, I think the next one, I think it might have only been three. I think the next one was in Arizona just two years ago recording a traffic stop. Um, and charges have always 100% across the board been dismissed. Uh, Usually, uh, most of them stuck for years. The ones out of Fort Huachuca, I had four federal charges um, out of. <laughs> Were you on Sierra the base Vista. there? Is that why Fort Huachuca, like the Fort Huachuca, the base, or like Sierra Vista? I was, yeah, I was outside of the base in Sierra Vista, recording the mountains. They're beautiful, um, <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit of the front gate. You know, the same as Google did, actually. Um, and they came off of the base and arrested me and brought me onto the base. Um, wow. Yeah, that's an intelligence base. Point. I was actually stationed there a long time ago when I was a bootlicker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess they didn't take too kindly to that. I watched that video this morning and it's pretty tame, man. Like you, I mean, compared to some of your other videos where you're actually, you know, talking back to, to police employees like this one, you were pretty calm and, and collected in mm -hmm. it. And you keep looking around in the video as to where you're at. It's very clear that you're on a public sidewalk. So how did they spin that? Like, what was their justification for actually kidnapping you? Um, I think that you guys on this platform know and understand uh, there's rules, there's laws, there's legislation, but none of that matters. The guy with the gun who's willing to use the most amount of violence wins. And, and that was them. I wasn't willing to shoot my way out, you know. And, and genuinely, that's all it comes down to. That's it. Um, they don't have to even have probable cause to get a judge to sign off on probable cause. They can prosecute you for two and a half years. I've even seen people convicted of crimes where they didn't meet any, any of the elements in the crime. So, um, you know, that's that's what that really comes down to. The, the gun in the room, the guy uh, with the biggest stick wins. That, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's a shame there's like there's millions of stories like that dude our our website is full of them of people that are doing nothing but pointing the camera at police and they get beaten you know they get arrested thrown in jail for a very long time it's it's terrible 
you know, they we, it's so terrible, like that Arizona tried to ban it, right? Like they they right. did, they passed a law banning the filming of police within 15 feet. Now, my understanding is that a judge overturned that law and after it was signed in the um, you know, to state by the governor. But I mean, it's still it's still past the books and everything, you know, but luckily enough, people bipartisanly spoke out against it. Even the ACLU, you know, ACLU has been so focused on transgender rights. I was I was surprised to see him go back after this, uh, this filming the uh, the police law. But yeah, man, it's contempt of cop is such a big deal and so common from people from police officers who just don't want to be filmed. And they think that they have the right to trample your First Amendment rights. Uh, because they they just simply don't like what you're doing, and um, the fact that you've only been arrested three times, it, it speaks to like you you're pretty good, I guess. You got a silver tongue. I mean that the video that we were, bring, we were talking about earlier, there's no silver tongue involved in that, <laughs> and it was amazing. And uh, but like uh, you you got lucky there. I think the uh, the <clears throat> the cop may have been actually drunk, and his friends that came and got him probably may, maybe even knew that and didn't want him to get in trouble for maybe attacking you or something, but it looked like that was on the verge there. But yeah, so only three arrests and everything, all of your videos that you've done, man, that's um, it's pretty good. Well, a lot of people pick up multiple arrests because the truth is I try to pick my battles and not stack up too many charges at once because I've seen people locked up just because bond has been revoked because they stacked so many false charges. And mm -hmm. so once I have a charge that I'm fighting, um, anytime a cop tells me to do something, I just get them to make the threat first. Hey, well, what are you going to do to me if I don't? And, and I get them to make the threat of violence. And I hope that that's enough for the audience to see again, this isn't about law. This is about the guy with the biggest stick and the willingness to use the most amount of violence wins. And I don't think that I have to get arrested every time to show that. No, no that's a perfect strategy. Yeah. I was actually going to say, man, you, you brought up a great point and, I think it, it actually precisely pinpoints exactly why I like you so much as an auditor. And of course, you know, you're a good guy as well. We've met a couple of times. We met, in, I guess we've only met once at Float Fast. We've talked a couple of times is what I meant to say. But what I think it is that makes you special in the auditing community is that there's like two polar extremes, right? Like there's the auditors that are like so gung-ho that they're swearing at cops. And they're getting in their face. They're being rude. They're being aggressive. And then there's like the polar opposite, the people who are like almost borderline bootlickers, but they still value, you know, my constitution or whatever. And so, you know, they're, they're really trying to uphold the first amendment, but they still really respect authority deep down and they don't want to disrespect them or, you know, do anything to hurt their fragile feelings. But you always walk the line kind of in between both of those where you know how to play the game, you know, you're not stupid enough to tell your audience to, to flood police lines, you know, and, and make harassing phone calls. At the same time, you also can talk back to cops. I mean, you, you have a really good gauge and idea as to what your, your rights are and how to apply them without going over the line. And I think that's an art that many auditors are still kind of working on. There's a very, there's very few that actually have mastered that and really have gotten it down. And uh, you're one of those people. So is there auditors that you like? Who are the top like three auditors that you really like in the community, regardless if you know them or not? Um, well, number one is not, I wouldn't say he's even necessarily an auditor. I, I, um, that word is odd to me too. I think an auditor is, is, uh, defined by the people who watch it, I guess. Cause a lot of times they'll see my videos or others. They're like, that's not an audit. I'm like, I, I don't care what it is. I'm making a video, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, 
But I, I would say absolutely hands down. Number one is lackluster. I try not to miss any of his videos. Um, Got it. And, and what he does is he just takes uh, other videos and reviews them. And um, I, I like his approach to things though. I like his uh, perspective on things and that's why he is my favorite. Um, another one, let's see, one that actually goes out in the field more that I like is I do like Long Island audit. Um, he's uh, it, it seems like he's decent as well at knowing when he's pushing the line too far. Um, mm -hmm. He also goes out alone. And, and uh, I'm really not a big fan of people who go out in groups. And, and the reason is because this really is very, it, it can be quite dangerous. And, and a lot of times it is actually genuinely about controlling the situation. They want to control it. And, and, you know, you have to know when to escalate, when to deescalate. And when you got three or four guys with you, you're going to have people who, you, you got guys who want to be the one who's talking the most. And so they just won't shut up. And then, and then you got the guys who will just do anything that they're told. And it's like, well, he, he complied. So now we kind of all, I mean, it, it throws it off in my personal opinion. So mm. um, what I like about Long Island, Long Island Audit, I've only seen him do videos by himself. Maybe he's done some with people, but he's always alone. So he can control uh, the way that the situation goes. Um, and honestly, other than that, I mostly watch anarchists only. <laughs> <laughs> and libertarians. I don't watch as man, as much of the First Amendment auditing. Um, no, I'll say another one that I really like is uh, uh, Cash Valley Transparency out of Utah. Okay. Um, he's. Uh, I, I just like his style. The way that he's he's super respectful until he's disrespected, and he does always stand his ground. The the way that I like to do until they say we're going to arrest you if you uh if you don't obey us and then you know he'll say okay all right i get it you're, you're threatening violence i know i'm within my rights but sure yeah you made a good point there I, I think it was maybe not even the direct point that you're making but i i think another thing that's interesting about you is that you're way more philosophically in tuned than most auditors are which seems kind of strange and counterintuitive, but you actually kind of have your your principles, your philosophy all kind of in check. Whereas it seems like some of the aud other auditors are just doing it to either fuck with police or yeah, to, to uphold the constitution, which is still kind of a vague value. I don't know, but yeah, I, I appreciate that about you. And I feel like I've seen, I could see that overlap in your work. Like you could, you tell, you could tell how, the system is a monopoly on violence and you often speak about that and kind of the, the ill effects that are associated to it. Lackluster is very, very good at what he does and kind of like audit the audit. You know, he, he's very uh, precise. They, they both have great channels, um, really breaking down uh, police accountability videos, any type of auditing videos and giving a pretty fair assessment. So I've actually heard recently, though, that Audit the Audit has kind of strayed more towards like the, the bootlicker type of mentality, which he could be doing that just to, to appeal to a larger audience, which, you know, that's what we saw during the, the Trump years. A lot of libertarians and people kind of started shifting in that direction anyway. So but I also right. heard that he's making good, good money doing what he's doing. And, uh, you know, I, for one, don't have a problem with that. I think if you could, you know, expose this type of stuff, highlight it in a way that's professional, accurate and still make good money from it, then by all means, like you should be, you know, rewarded with 
the compensation that's, you know, involved with all this type of work. So that's wonderful, wonderful. And, and good on him, man. Um, and yeah, just anybody who's listening, like you can make some good money. In fact, I don't, I think last time we talked when we were chatting at FlowFest, like you're not even monetized, right? On, on YouTube or have you changed it? You are. Okay, good. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, yeah. it seems silly not to be like, you could be making, you know, good money from that. So. And, and YouTube monetizes, uh, puts ads on your videos at this point, whether you monetize or not. That's that's part of the contract. If you're going to upload your videos, they're going to play ads. The question is, does Google get the money or do you get a cut of it as well? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, it's it doesn't a great make point. any sense at this point not to. Because I, I understood some, um, I always monetize when I could actually. But there, are, I know there are a few people that uh, chose not to just because, you know, hey, it's not about money. But uh once Google made that change, I was like, come on, man, just <laughs> yeah. you're giving Google money for free. <laughs> That's what's so amazing about the free market. Like you can monetize the, um, a solution to a potential problem that we have with policing, you know, with 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 cops, contempt of cops, an entire market has been born out of that where you can go and do these audits or just film police, you know, like you said, and it actually creates a solution to the problem because more and more cops don't want to become YouTube famous if you know as you will and I wanted to know that's why I wanted to ask you do you like it's it's noticeable now you know like cops know they're on YouTube this has been a phenomenon for a decade now and a lot of cops have you know practiced restraint and that we've seen recently and you know in the next in the last five or so years I mean still there's there's these outliers where these cops do attack people for filming them and stuff and um, mm -hmm. but it seems to be less and less like we it seems like we would have a, a belligerent, violent cop on the on the free thought project like once a week back in the day. And these are getting rare and rare. I was wanted to ask you, did you did you find or do you find that it's uh, it's actually harder to get? Not that you're trying to provoke the cops in the first place, but do you find that the cops are becoming nicer or or like are less willing to trample on your rights when you are out there filming them? Yes, absolutely. And, That's awesome. um, you know, it, it depends on the person too, though, because we, I came to the realization that in a certain area, once they knew who James Freeman was, they wouldn't trample on James Freeman's rights, but, uh, they don't know who Billy Bob is and he doesn't have a huge audience. So they were still perfectly willing to shit on him. Mm -hmm. Um, as long as they, they felt like they weren't going to get caught. So definitely, if they feel like they're going to get caught doing something, they're a lot more careful, I think. Um, which is why I kind of got tired of going out and doing cop watching because I was hearing story and why I started kind of shifting to trying to cover other people's stories that happened a little more naturally, I guess you could say. Um, because I was still hearing, you know, well, I got Tucson police to the point, um, tuck police suck, uh, pigs under pressure, a bunch of those guys got Tucson police to the point where they won't, screw with those cop watchers at all. But we're still hearing stories all the time of Tucson police screwing with people when they pull them over on a traffic stop when they're not there. Um, and so that's why I've tried to tell people, look, I've told you to record your own interactions. Please do it. And I know you don't have a huge platform. Send it to me. Send it to Lackluster. Send it to Audit the Audit. Free Thought Project. You know, um, because the yeah, they're, they're not doing it when they know who we are, but they're still treating people like crap when they think they can get away with it. And we've seen instances of where they play copyrighted music now, like they did in California not too long ago, just to, to, to silence the auditors. If you try to upload that to YouTube, you get a copyright strike and maybe even have your channel shut down.
Right. And there is there is software to remove that background music, but I've tried it and it, it was actually some work. It wasn't easy. Hmm. Um, oh, I can imagine. I don't know. There, someone told me there's a program that kind of just automatically does it and it digitally removes all the background noise. So speaking of making money doing this, you know, we talked about the YouTube monetization factor, but people like Tom Zebra, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with, he's kind of like an OG cop watcher. Okay, yeah, yeah he's from LA. Uh, I, I should have listed him in one of my top three that I like. I, I really do. Oh, like sure. Love oh, nice. Tom he's like one of the original man. He's he's yeah. badass. <laughs> we we, we linked yeah, up with we, him a long long time ago, and. Uh, we did a First Amendment audit of uh, the Hollywood police station where we flew one of his drones over the police station when drones were still kind of new on the scene. I think this was 2014 or something. And um, yeah, they sure didn't like that. You know, they, <laughs> apparently uh, they, they say that, you know, you, you can't look into their property even from the sky, but <laughs> which is interesting because airplanes and helicopters. Right. And anyway, um, he he's made a whole career out of simply just filming cops during traffic stops or whatever. And he's been arrested, you know, numerous times unjustly. And he, you know, sues the department, he sues the city and makes good money from that, like hundreds of thousands of dollars over and over again. And that's just another strategy. I mean, obviously that comes from our tax dollars and I kind of have conflicting feelings about it. But at the same time, I mean, if it's holding police's feet to the fire, he's able to do this work full time and hopefully, you know, even employ other people to do it, then, you know, more power to him. I, I used to be conflicted about suing as well. And and the first few times that I was violated, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that to the taxpayer. I started to realize a few things. One, it comes from an insurance policy. Sure, the taxpayer pays for that policy and the rates may go up. But most taxpayers are happy to pay their slave wages. So you know what? I'm happy to take them. Sure. <laughs> Pull your head point. out of your ass yeah. and I might feel bad about it. Until then... <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Another person who's made a good living doing this. And I've read up to reports of like 30 K a month is Amagantit press who uh, with his son go just around on tour, basically around the country. And I think they primarily focus on uh, post offices, which seem a little benign, maybe a little less threatening. And I, I think he gets some shit from the auditing community because of that, but nonetheless, it still kind of highlights the the police response uh, the ignorance of the public employees that work there. What what are your feelings on Amagat Press? He's I, I must say, like I, I know I think people have mixed feelings about him in the, the community, but as far as like consistency and just keeping a level head, like I think he's probably one of my favorites. Uh can we cut that part out? <laughs> All right, sure. <laughs> no worries. You guys have beef, sir. Problem. No, no, no. We don't have beef at all, but I just think that it's just shallow as hell. You're right. I, I, I think that it does have its place. It really does. Um, but I just try to avoid talking about it. <laughs> I don't have just beef with him at all. I went out with him one time. And we went to a library because he does go to the more, you know, non-threatening places. And, and it does have its place. So I don't want to say anything bad about it, especially publicly. But I also don't want to <laughs> highlight it personally. <laughs> Well, I mean, this is kind of good, though. Like, what do you think, like, is the problem? Is it just like we should be focusing on the, the institutions that really violate our rights or? Well, personally, yes. But th th that's the thing is that it's not really a problem. Um, I believe in free markets. He's making a good living doing it. And I'm really happy that he makes an excellent living doing that. Um, it's uh, it's just not personally my cup of tea. Um, and. Okay. And I think that that's important too. Like, I'll say that I think that 
he he brings in a lot of people who end up watching these other channels too that that go, do go to other places and um highlight other things so yeah. don't get me wrong there's there's a good value in it i just it's not my personal favorite sure yeah yeah fair um, enough certainly don't have anything bad to say about him or his work though that's yeah just not my sure. favorite <laughs> yeah no that makes sense um is there any chance are you guys uh do you want to talk about that video matt is there any chance we could cue that up or yeah yeah i can cue it up i had it right here let's see um... this is my edit remember so it's not the the raw footage that you put up but um yeah this this one Wait. still cracks me up man People tell me all the time. I get emails almost daily. Hey, somebody stole your video and reposted it. I was like, good. <laughs> like they want me to go and have it taken down or something. Right. And, you know, a lot of people don't even give credit. I'm like, I don't care. It's, I mean, it's nice if they give credit. Come on, it's out there. Yeah, the only time I took somebody down for using my videos was that TikTok account that was trying to, it wasn't just that he was using my videos, it was that he was pretending to be me and taking That's donations right. in my name. And I'm like, come on, dude, I, I don't hit anybody for using videos, but that's... <laughs> That's, yeah, that's, low, man. that's fraudulent and it's making it, yeah. it makes you look terrible. Yeah, that's terrible. <clears throat> there's so many scammers out there right now. In fact, I had two different people message me this morning saying there's a scammer on Telegram posing as you trying to sell me like cryptocurrency or whatever. And I know there's numerous mm -hmm. on Instagram as well. And I guess that's their new niche. You know, all the scammers are like, oh, like the Liberty community, like we're going to pose as them and it must be successful or they wouldn't keep doing it, I guess. But yeah, our buddy, I Louis, he's got a bunch. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's successful because like, I don't know about you, but anytime I get a, f a friend request on Facebook and it's got black and yellow, I'm like, oh, that's a friend. That's a friend. Like, I don't even know. Right. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> so All right, here we go. Would you would you submit to a breathalyzer for me right now? You're ridiculous. You know that? That what's your name? You got about five minutes to get out of here right now. Yeah. Or what? Or what? You're you're on my property. This isn't your yeah, property. Yeah, shut the hell up. Get out of here now. What'd you say? I said shut up and get no, out of here. No, you get out of here now. Hey, you better get it. You better get your boy. You need to ask, answer my questions. Are you drunk? Why are you slurring your words today? So have you have you been here all day or have you been out? Have you been to the bar today at all? Who are you? Why don't you tell us where, where you were with this? Uh, like what department, what city and town? <laughs> Give a little background before we go any further. That is Camp Verde, Camp Verde, uh, Arizona. Um, this was actually when I was living on the road with the family traveling in an RV. So this was like the best time of my life too. So my, uh, my confidence is high. I'm, you know, I, I don't know, <laughs> feeling pretty good. We were camping in Sedona on the edge of a cliff in an RV, having campfires every night, cooking out. So like life was good at the time. <laughs> um, and Camp Verde is, uh, probably half hour to an hour away from, um, Sedona. So okay. I was, I would, uh, we would camp out in a spot and I would travel around the area within an hour radius and go do these audits, hit up these police departments and stuff. And this is one that I hit that day.
Dude, you could tell you were you were in the zone because it, this is almost <laughs> scripted. I mean, it, it's yeah. almost like a, a scene from a movie, man. Because it's <laughs> even his lines are are just badass. It just he played right into you, man. You were just owning this whole situation. It's amazing. So go. I got to give a shout out too. I didn't think of this. This was not my idea. I got this idea from Larkin Rose from reading the book, The Most Dangerous Superstition. There's a part in there where he's saying. What would police act like if you were to walk up to them and ask them to uh, put their gun up and ask them for ID and, you know, and I was like, what would it, what would that be like? Let me go find out. And (laughs) this wasn't even the first time I did it. It was just the best reaction I ever got doing it. They were stunned, man. They're absolutely stunned. (laughs) Yeah, dude. We've, we've reported on people who've actually treated police like they were the police officer, you know, where they like, they pulled cops over and, you know, been like, do you know how fast you were driving, sir? And and stuff like that. But this is this is definitely one of the best right here. So I'm wondering, where have you been today? Have you been here all day or have you been out at the bar at all? Working on a fraud case. Okay. okay. Have you been to the bar at all today? No. Okay. You got any drugs on you? Have you used any drugs today? What a ridiculous question. Um, does he usually drink on the job or no? Not not that anybody knows of for sure. <laughs> Have you guys ever breathalyzed him while he's been on the job? Would you would you submit to a breathalyzer for me right now? You're ridiculous. You know that. Hey, you better get it. You better get your boy. Get your butt back in your office you and do your up. job. You shut up. And get you out get here. your butt back in your office no. and do your job. No. No. You quit drinking on the job. You understand me? Whatever. You punk ass. You're about a stupid motherfucker, aren't you? You get your ass back in there. You don't look back here again. (laughs) Excellent job to the officer that called Mike off. Mike, you might want to thank him for saving your job. You quit drinking on the job, boy. You understand me? Mm, that's basically it. it we, there's a bunch of edits, unless y'all want to keep going through that. But um, I think, yeah, that's a good place to, to stop. I think that's the the meat of it. But damn, man, like that, just so good, so good. They, they were stunned. You know, they they don't have no idea how to react to that. They're so not used to people addressing to them and talking to that that way. You know, I mean, if anything, they're they're used to the complete opposite, where people are licking their boots, yes sir, no sir. It goes to show how distorted public servants have become in society that they demand this respect even what even though they, they never earned it from us you know and just because they wear a costume they expect us to you know bow down to them so seeing that this response from them and, and having the balls and the courage to talk to them that way man is you know it says something in itself but i think this really just highlights like the whole the, the whole issue you know that the divide between the the police and the public because this is unheard of this that's why it went so viral and rightfully so i mean as matt said i mean it, <laughs> that, that cop was such a stooge you know and he's caught off guard he's surprised i'm sure he thought about that that for the next week at least you know but uh yeah what wh- what were your thoughts uh, after everything happened i i didn't even realize how good of a video i got at first i had no idea i really didn't um and so after that i actually went into the police department to make a complaint on him to his supervisor (laughs) and his supervisor came out and he was willing to look at the video and I'm showing it to his supervisor and I'm going, dude, 
this is a really good video and I need to get the hell out of here with the video before they arrest me and confiscate it. And so I was like, you know what? Nah, don't worry about the complaint. Just, you know, just, you know, tell him to uh, whip him into shape a little bit. I'll see you later. And took off. Um, I, I was, ex I didn't realize how good it was until I saw it myself. Yeah, man, pure gold pure gold and that went mega viral for us it went mega viral for you i tried to kind of spin it into a little bit more of an expose about who you were just to kind of give you a little bit more attention and people you know maybe to have um your work on their radar but yeah that was excellent man i uh i'll say also that i don't actually think that it's okay to talk to people like that and that's really the whole point of me doing the script flip like if it's it's literally a character that i'm playing um, in no point in my daily life would I feel that it's actually genuinely okay to walk up to somebody and just treat them as, as if they're a lower human being than me. Uh, it's disgusting. It's despicable. And that's the whole point. Yeah, dude, I'm so glad that you have that caveat because that's been kind of the basis of our work too. You know, we're not trying to dehumanize people. We're not trying to, um, you know, point the finger and scorn unless they deserve it, you know, and in this case they do. I mean, they're accepting stolen money to enforce victimless laws for corrupt politicians, you know, and there's just no way of getting around that. So, yeah. you know, your scrutiny, your confrontation is warranted. And uh, I think that's why it resonates so much, not only because people aren't really used to seeing police be talked to like that, but because they need to be talked to like that, they need to be lowered on their rung of superiority a little bit, you know, and I think the more that happens, the more that they actually might start treating us like humans again. You know, I mean, the whole police culture is so insular. There's this huge divide of us versus them. I mean, they have their own occupying flag for Christ's sake, you know, their, their house slave flag that they have. So, I mean, it's, uh, this is what people want to see, you know, and I feel like if people have the balls to do it, it's very easy to make a name for yourself if you can actually, you know, man up and be be in that position at that time. Yeah, that's something that, I, that don't have, I don't have. I don't have the gumption to do that, man. I can't. I would just break down. I'd start laughing. I'd, I, there's, there'd be no way that I'd be able to do that. I've I've filmed police plenty of times, but I stay silent and back up. You know, I don't I don't engage with them or anything like that. And if it came down, I, I would not be able to do what you did in that video right there. That was epic man which is which is why you're are being interviewed on our podcast and not the other way around right <laughs> it, it was really a perfect storm though like i've done that script so many times before it's just never ever ever landed quite like that and people even after that video they're like hey, man you gotta do another one like mike jardine I'm like look i can play my part but it is actually real for them and so the way that they right. react, I can't control that. And I don't think anybody will ever be as stupid as Mike Jardine. So <laughs> dude, he was like a caught high school kid being reprimanded by the principal. You know, have you been drinking? Oh, no. <laughs> and, you know, then, then like he realized he's like, fuck, I'm answering these questions like I'm actually in trouble. And then he just goes, well, that's ridiculous. Like he, he, he looked drunk. I know at the end of the video, you said you didn't know if he was drunk or not. But uh, he certainly looked it. And there, we've seen that so many times, you know, cops getting DUIs while on duty in their patrol car, right. crashing into things. Yep. And it's uh, it's an unfortunate reality of a lot of police departments where officers are drunk all day long. And I mean, a lot of that has to do with PTSD and everything else. But yeah. Yeah. 
<clears throat> the crazy which, thing which, is, it's like he should feel that way. Like he should feel like he's being pressed by his boss because ultimately we are right. And there, we kind of live in this upside down world where police and, and you know, any public officials or uh, authority, you know, kind of has this superior mentality on us. And it's just been so um, misaligned over the years and intentionally. So, right. I mean, it's just a power struggle. It's just a power flex, but some people could probably look at that video. People who are still, you know, knee deep in statism, probably more than knee deep. I mean, <laughs> neck deep in statism and, yeah. and claim that you are just some kind of unhinged sovereign citizen or something like that. Right. Because you're not, um, you know, you're not respecting the authority of these law enforcement employees. And therefore, you know, you're just some sovereign citizen. What, I mean, what's your take on the sovereign citizen movement? Do you feel like there's any legitimacy there? Do you feel like it's kind of a, a lost cause? Do you feel like it's a bane on, I don't know, the, the auditor's existence? Um, I, I can't say for sure because I don't entirely know exactly what the sovereign citizen movement is. I have some idea. I really just haven't dove that deep into it. But I know that some people who claim that they are sovereign, I would agree with that. Um, I also have seen, though, some instances where people who claim to be sovereign citizens have been the aggressor who mm. um, have tried to take mostly property, I think, um, where uh, they aren't necessarily in the right. Um, so, I mean, I believe in the non-aggression principle. So, uh, I mean, if you're the one who's taking life, liberty, or property, you're wrong. And I've seen it go both ways with sovereign citizens. I've seen times when they're, I, I would say that I believe they're absolutely right. And other times where I'm like, yeah, no, you're, you're just as bad as the government that that you hate so much. Yeah. yeah, sometimes their interactions with police don't go all that well either. <laughs> you know, they start citing some obscure code or maritime whatever. law. Yeah, and um, and then it, they end up getting arrested, like or or even worse. You know, we've seen some people get mauled to death by dogs and killed <clears throat> for claiming to be a sovereign citizen and just not. I mean, it sucks. Like, I mean, they, they could still be alive today. They died for that belief, you know, but I, I don't think that I think sometimes it could be a little bit misguided. You know, sometimes they do. Mm -hmm. A lot of the sovereign citizen movements, they are people that we've reported on sound a little bit. Maybe, you know, like they have like some kind of mental illness or something like that. And um, which I'm not saying like all sovereign citizens like that are, you know, uh, I was just on a podcast with this guy named Lutz from the Pirate Chain Network. And he swears by this whole sovereign citizen thing. He's like, man, I got this guy that that could give you, uh, you know, he could eat for two hundred dollars to teach you how to come off the grid. That's how he talks. He's from New York, and uh, and he swears. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't even have a passport anymore, and anything like that. So maybe if you do it the right way, there is something to it. But uh, until maybe then. there is. But besides that, I mean, we've seen when people get pulled over, they think that that saying hey here's a code or a statute like the cop doesn't care again this is a monopoly on violence exactly. this isn't about yeah. codes and statutes so even if they're a hundred percent right and this really is the way that the law is there is no law there's the guy with the biggest stick wins that's what we're living in so yes uh, great point that man me, that, yeah that brings me to another question man so a lot of the time uh back in the day not so much anymore with all these mass shootings but we used to see 
a lot of open carry auditors, you know, or open carry film the police guys where they would strap their AR-15 on, you know, sling it to the front or to the back or or wear a sidearm. Have you ever done anything like that? And would you like, would you recommend that anything like that? <clears throat> I personally don't because um, because of all the other things that I do, if I pick up a charge, it's going to be, um, what is it called? Menacing, harassing, or assault with a deadly weapon or anything. Well, if, <laughs> I mean, yeah. no, I mean, if I, if I pick up a charge for like recording at a police department and I'm also, it'll be, a, I don't remember what the word is, basically up to charge because I'm carrying a firearm while committing a crime. What mm. I, I'm having a brain fart on the word for it right now. Um, and so for me personally, I just, I don't want to, I, I try to avoid that. I actually, um, before I started doing this, concealed carried all the time, 24-7. Um, and when I go out, I actually don't even conceal carry. Um, I carry mace and <laughs> other <laughs> self-defense tools, but I, I just don't want that charge uh, escalated that you're while carrying a firearm while in the commission of a crime, I guess. Um, it's just another way for them to trump up charges. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I strongly believe in the right to self-defense and highly respect those who go out and exercise that right. And that's what they do. Um, I have a ton of respect for it. I'm glad they're doing it. Yeah. A lot of them aren't even out there filming. They just have a GoPro on and their audit is the second amendment, right? And they just have the GoPro on to catch the police reaction or whatever. And yeah, we've seen so many people nearly killed or actually even killed maybe a couple of times uh, for just practicing their right to to carry a firearm in public and <clears throat> yeah and so I think, <laughs> I think that some people mistakenly believe they have rights too and so if we really had rights then sure i can exercise the first the second the the fourth and the fifth all at the same time but since we don't it's like ah, i'm gonna be careful just exercise one of these alleged rights at a time yeah um, no, you, you made a good point, James. It's not only a monopoly on violence, but it's a monopoly on law and justice. So, I mean, we can't expect to, you know, one institution to play fair and then the other ones not to. I mean, this is all a monopoly. It's all the same people. They're in cahoots, you know. So I know we talked about what auditors do and what they can do. Is there any suggestions that you would give to people who are thinking about going out to audit and, um, you know, how to be safe, how to prepare? Uh, yeah, I would start with, um, before you go out, I would start with the book, uh, The Most Dangerous Superstition by Larkin Rose. <laughs> nice. uh, be, because the truth is, I think that it's more important to understand what you're really, truly dealing with before you go out. And um, you can understand all of the codes and statutes in the world, but if you don't understand that they don't necessarily apply to the real sovereign citizens, the police, the courts, the judges, then you're going to get hemmed up and, and you're going to be surprised. And, and I don't like it when people get surprised like that. Um, so yeah, my, my first recommendation would be Larkin Rose, the most dangerous superstition. And then after that, it is good to understand what their codes and statutes are. Um, so that you can try to use that to say, hey, you know, no, this is legal. This is what I'm doing. But that's still not necessarily going to save you. Um, they don't care. <laughs> so understand it's it's dangerous and, you're, you know, it's at your own risk. And yeah, people who understand that don't seem to be don't seem to have too many problems when they do get hemmed up. They already knew it was coming. They already know 
how to deal with it. They already know they're not necessarily going to win anything. Um, so. Yeah, I think um, one thing that when we did our podcast with San Joaquin Valley Transparency, see, he also uh, suggested to always know the property lines as well. Know what's public, know what's actually the police department's property. Um, even though it's technically ours and we pay taxes to it, uh, it's still best to have those in your head so you're not actually going onto their property, giving them a, a legal justification to kidnap you. Yes. You know, actually, I'll say also that that reminds me, I've recently seen people trying to audit on private property and private businesses. And I've got someone who's telling me on Facebook right now that if you provide services to the public as a private business, that you cannot trespass people and kick them off of your property. I saw a guy audit a QT, a quick trip <laughs> on their property. Uh, yeah, that's uh, not true, though. Property owners reserve the right to remove anybody from the property. That's that's that, I mean, yep. they, they try to they try to skew that law, but that remains. That's private property rights. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, but there I mean, I've seen more and more people recently who just do not comprehend that. And I, that's probably the downside. That, that's probably the downside to the monetization incentive, you know, is that anybody who could pick up a camera and just could go step in front of a police department and, and start looking for a confrontation, you know, regardless of, you know, their knowledge or. I guess the free market does work itself out in that way too. Those are the people who end up not being watched as much. It, it doesn't become successful for them. So, I mean, it, it evens itself out. True. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to watch somebody be an asshole. <laughs> I'm going to go disrespect <laughs> private citizens for, no other reason than I can, you know, it's like, <clears throat> you don't need to hold private citizens accountable. Like you do the state. That's not the same thing. The guy that works at the QT didn't do anything to you. He's not aggressing against you. You know, it seems like yeah. that might be like some issue of like the, the, the far left or something like that to go after corporations or yep. something like this. And right. <clears throat> well, you know, I saw uh, it was like a year or two ago. You guys might might have too. It did go viral. The there were a couple of people who went into I think it was like a cookie shop or something in Oregon during the the scamdemic, and they didn't want to wear masks in there. Which don't don't get me wrong, I I strongly agree. I'm not going I'm not going to wear a mask either. Um, but they felt that they were entitled to service from this private business, and yeah. the business owner said, "No, you either wear the muzzle or you get out." And again. I'm not for the muzzle, but I am for private property rights. And they, the property owner ended up bringing out a bat. The um, We actually reported on that. It. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that was. <laughs> and I think it's that same woman who is arguing with me on Facebook right now, because just yesterday they were out at private property again yesterday. Hmm. And, yeah, yeah, and that woman so, who was not wearing a mask was obviously not on the left. I think she was like some conservative it, MAGA right. Karen, but yeah. <laughs> right, right. And, and so the fact that she doesn't comprehend private property rights and wants to be a communist, I, I don't, I mean, I don't even know where that's at. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think people on polar extremes of both sides probably have very little grasp of reality, you know, and um, so that would make sense. Uh, it's more just to go along to get along. So we're getting close to the end here, but I did want to talk about Joshua Martinez um, a little bit here, just because he's uh, somebody who we've reported on 
pretty extensively over the years. And I know you've also are not only friends with him, but you've, you did a very, very powerful video, uh, giving way more depth and explanation, um, than my attempt. And, um, yeah, like, where do we start? You know, I, I feel like, um, well, I fed off, of, I fed off of yours too, though. And that's okay. what, you know, that's what's good. I was able to build, take yours and you put together, an expose that I couldn't have done myself. And then I took that and built on top of that and others have taken it as well. And so. Sure. So for our audience who um, doesn't know who Joshua Martinez is, he, I think started his activism around the Bundy ranch case, uh, probably around 2017 or so and went to a courthouse uh, where the Bundys were actually being tried. And in order for him to get into the courthouse, he had to provide an ID, which uh, apparently I don't really spend much time in courts, thankfully, but apparently he, Josh had a problem with, felt like they were targeting him specifically. So he left, he left the premise. He went outside of the courthouse and ended up starting to have lunch. As he was starting to have lunch with a few of his friends, cops came up to him, harassed him even more, demanding ID, demanding his name, his birth date. And he didn't provide it. He had no legal uh, obligation to, so he didn't provide it. And that basically snowballed into uh, federal charges, which he's now dealing with. Um, and there's been a slew of other arrests and, and charges that have stemmed from that one incident, uh, which unfortunately it seems like he, he painted a target on his back. Well, um, I agree with his, you know, his standing firm with his principles. Uh, it has caused a lot of problems for him more recently. As of last year, he ended up posting a, a meme on Facebook on his own personal account. Um, and, one of the detectives, part of the counterterrorism unit from the Las Vegas Metropolitan uh, Police Department, uh, has been specifically uh, targeting Josh. He specifically has a hard on for Josh. And so Josh uh, made a post about him with a coffin that was being held by police officers. I can't remember the exact uh, wording about it, but basically oh, implying. Oh, OK, go ahead, James. It was a it was a picture of a flag draped casket that police were carrying, and it said, "How police take their trash out." Yes, right. but and 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 it was not actually directed at the uh, the detective. And the detective's name is Kenneth Mead. Don't yeah. forget that name, Kenneth Mead. Kenneth Mead hates it when you say Kenneth Mead's name, because <laughs> Kenneth Mead is a terrorist. Um, so I would recommend we don't say Kenneth Mead on this show at all. Kenneth <laughs> <laughs> he was also part of the Vegas shooting investigation, which basically right. fell flat on its face. Uh, they had no motive. And instead, uh, mm -hmm. part of the Biden administration's new push towards targeting, quote, uh, you know, domestic terrorists or sovereign citizens, um, he's ramped up his escalation and charges and targeting of Josh and I'm sure other individuals as well who uh, want to uphold their rights and, and protest these institutions. So anyway, uh, as uh, James had mentioned, um, this meme was accompanied accompanied by a caption that included Detective Kenneth Mead's name. That was enough for them to trump up charges and basically say that Josh was threatening uh, Detective Kenneth Mead. And now he's got federal charges for a meme that he posted on Facebook. Uh, as far as I know, he still has the dual ankle monitors on. Um, one for the, the the county and one for the federal uh, charges that he has, and um, he's just waiting now. He's waiting for the the federal 
uh, court date to finally come up. I think they keep pushing it back, but uh, it's absolutely crazy, man. I mean, am I missing anything here, Matt? No, that's that's it. I mean, I, I didn't know that uh, James made a uh, video of the same of <clears throat> for for Josh, but yeah, he's been battling this for a long time, man. It was heartbreaking to see him come out of jail after being there for months and you know reuniting with his kids and stuff at and then at constant risk of going right back in there for absolutely no crime there's no victim here in fact the post is still up on facebook right yeah it might not be anymore but it was like even after he was arrested and all the and like arraigned and everything and indicted the posts were still up like indicating that facebook didn't even they didn't even violate facebook terms and and he he's in jail for that it's a shitty situation man yeah it really kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier you know if they want to target you it doesn't matter what the laws are it doesn't matter the protocol it doesn't matter um you know their policies if they want to target you they will uh they will railroad you and they'll make your life a hell you know a living hell for as long as they can i know there's more to josh's story too that we're probably missing i mean there's there's a lot to it and unfortunately there's so many people who've had so many experiences like this of gang stalking with law enforcement or being directly targeted and it compounds over the years there's one incident after another there's one event mm-hmm. after another and eventually it gets to being so extensive that people just don't have the threshold or the patience to listen to the entire story so right. unfortunately you know we've had to kind of pass on a few of those people because there's just so many dots connect it's like i can't even comprehend the full story of what you're experiencing what you're going through but Josh, Josh is a little bit different. You know, we've been following his his story closely. So if anybody is interested in reading more about it, go to the Free Thought Project, go into our search bar and type in Joshua Martinez. I think we've had at least five or six articles from over the years covering each and every update, including the video that I made and that James made. You can read all about Kenneth Mead too. <laughs> Who? Kenneth Mead? Yes, Kenneth Mead. <laughs> 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 all right guys well we are approaching the hour mark here i know you guys have things to do today as do i um james is there anything that you want to plug today i don't think so the only place i'm really at is on youtube um and facebook the two horrible platforms i'm sorry guys <laughs> um so on youtube i post my regular videos on facebook i uh, i post a lot of stuff um if you're a libertarian leaning uh, black and yellow type person, you'll probably like my Facebook more. Um, I try to keep the uh, YouTube stuff to where I gain a broader audience, lefties, righties, uh, libertarians, whatever. So and that channel is just James Freeman, right? That's correct. And then you have the James Freeman streams as well, which has like another <laughs> 77K or so. Oh, yeah. Uh yeah, I don't. There, I have another channel that was kind of shut down and came. They reinstated it, but um, the only other channel I really use now is called Fake News Network. I think ah. it's got like ten to fifteen thousand subscribers, um, and that's really where I just goof off. I do a lot of comedy, uh, more more spoof stuff there. Um, I do whatever I feel like in the moment there, actually. So it's there's there's no common theme necessarily. Sometimes I'm doing police accountability stuff. Sometimes I'm just being an a hole um so that's it 
Well, James, as um, people who've experienced extensive censorship and targeting on the digital level by the mainstream social media platforms, I would highly urge you and suggest to just start slowly building a backup channel, maybe on like Rumble or Rockfin or something like that, because once you're gone, once your channel does get yeeted, it's going to be really hard for people to connect with you again, unless they know about your Facebook, of course. But if it happens like what happened to us, you know, we had Facebook and Twitter take us down on the same day. So it's not impossible that they collude Facebook, YouTube, take you down right. and you're starting all over from, from scratch or whatever. So it might be in your best interest just to occasionally throw a video over there and, and start building an audience, you know, and I'm only saying this because I very much appreciate your work and I want to see you continue to, to win, you know? So, so I just remembered I am on Odyssey also library okay, cool. Odyssey. Yeah. Um, so anything that I upload to the reason I don't remember is because I don't actually directly upload there. Anything I upload to my YouTube channel is automatically yeah. uploaded over there. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Odyssey is awesome like that. Right. James, you've really been an integral part of the auditing community. You're extremely courageous. You have brass balls when it comes to holding public servants feet to the fire. You're definitely an inspiration. And I could only imagine, as we were just saying, you've inspired numerous amounts of auditors. So it really is a chain effect here. I just yeah. want to say thank you for having me on the show, guys. I really appreciate it. I've, um, your guys' work has was one of the things that did inspire me back when I was in 2017, when I was starting to, I was seeing your videos and your posts and stuff. So it's an honor. To be, <laughs> yeah. It's an honor to be able to be on your guys' show. Oh, dude. Appreciate you saying that, man. Full, full you, circle. Man. That's a mutual and, yeah, that's that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're just trying to you know motivate people, inspire people to do the same. And uh, you know, if their work supersedes ours, or you know, they get bigger than us, then by all means, we welcome that. You know, and we'll have you on our show. Hopefully, someday you have your own podcast, and we'll be on that as well. But uh, James, you've really been an integral part of the auditing community. You're extremely courageous. You have brass balls when it comes to holding public servants' feet to the fire. You're definitely an inspiration, and I could only imagine, as we were just saying, you've inspired numerous amounts of auditors, so it really is a chain effect here. And cop watchers and people who just want more accountability and transparency from officials who've gotten way too comfortable in their roles. So thank you so much for spending time with us today, and thank you for your brave work and the motivation to keep going. 